0: I don't know if you ever had a strange dream. I remember when I was a kid, one time I dreamed that I was at school, and all of a sudden I realized I had no shoes. I felt so ashamed, so embarrassed, but then all of a sudden I woke up, and I felt so much relief just to realize it was a dream. It was not real. But also the opposite can happen as well, that you might have a beautiful dream, and then you wake up disappointed it was just a dream. You wish it would be real. And God also has dreams. But the only difference is that in him, what he dreams happens. What he thinks becomes real. And God had a dream for creation. And that dream became real. And nothing and no one will ever stop God from making this dream, this story real. Today we celebrate the Easter vigil. We celebrate and we read in the readings about the dream that God had for humanity. Or in other words, we listen the story that God thought from the beginning. It is the greatest story ever told. It is what we call the story of salvation, the story of love between God and humanity, the most powerful dream, and the most real thing of all. You could divide the story of salvation. I hope you paid attention. We shortened the reading from 9 to 7 this time. But you could divide the story of salvation in three moments, the foreshadowing or the promises, the fulfillment, and the forever, the end chapter, the glory to come. This story of creation begins with a foreshadowing, All the readings we read in the Old Testament are a promise to a future fulfillment. In the first scene of this movie or the first page of this story, the world is created in order, with light, harmony, perfect communion, intimate friendship between Adam and Eve and between Adam and Eve and their God. However, in the second page, as you know, the evil enters the world. And this creates a longing for better actors or better writers of the book. And that's why we start to see in the great heroes of the Old Testament not only that they anticipate, but also that they promise the coming of Christ. First Abraham the following faith, a model of complete abandonment to the Word of God. He anticipates the perfect trust in God of the beloved Son, Jesus. Then we read of Moses, who liberates people from slavery and anticipates the future freedom, the true exodus that Jesus is going to bring exodus from sin to grace. And then the Spanish reading, I don't know if you follow, from the Misalet in English, Ezekiel, who in the middle of the Old Testament says, trust. God will do something great. He will send his spirit and he will change your heart. He will remove the heart of stone and give you a new heart. So for more than 5,000 years, from the first parents, Adam and Eve, the story of salvation unfolds with this note of expectation and promise. They were awaiting for something, or better said, someone greater, a new king, a new priest, a new prophet, a new temple, a new spirit, a new heart, a new people, that will be formed. So in the middle of the story, there's a great shift. For the last 5,000 years, God was writing a plan, almost from the outside. But now the great shift is that he's jumped into the movie. He begins to write from within. Because remember, when God has a dream, when God has a plan, he makes it happen. He unfolds it in history. When in his mind is just a point, in history develops and falls like a line. And that inaugurates the time of fulfillment, the time of presence. This is very simple. One person told me, Father, fulfillment means to fill to the full. I thought, oh yeah, that makes sense. Fulfillment, to fill to the full. So what for 5,000 years was anticipated in more than 300 prophecies, now with Jesus, it becomes filled to the full. It becomes true. True. The checklist of all the prophecies of the Old Testament are checked off. And God is making his promise real. God is telling his people, I am a faithful God. And what I wish, what I want, will happen. No matter how much opposition, it will happen. My dream will become true. My story will triumph. And what is the core of this fulfillment? What is the main plot, point of the plot of the story of God? Simple. The merging of human life and divine life in a relationship of love. In the Bible, as you have heard many times from me, there are two different Greek words for life, bios and zoe. Bios is the physical, natural life, and Zoe is the eternal, supernatural life. And the time of fulfillment in this second chapter of the story means that in Jesus, Zoe is wrapped up by Bios, or Bios is taken up by Zoe. God Enters humanity. God begins to live within us. God reveals to us and reminds us that all was made for joy, for eternal life. And that's a time of fulfillment. But if the story is not good enough so far, today we begin to celebrate the last scene of the movie. Today we celebrate not only that God foreshadowed the coming of his son, not only that God fulfilled all his promises in his son, but also we celebrate that his son was glorified. We celebrate that bios, natural, physical life that was trending, moving towards the end, towards the extinction, All of the sun in Jesus was taken up by soy. Natural life was wrapped, elevated by supernatural life. The humanity of Jesus was taken up, wrapped up by the light of the glory of God. It is as if the humanity of Jesus, his bios, was dunked into soy, into glory, and he was glorified from the dead and now lives forever. He entered the sphere of indestructibility, of glory, of light. His humanity was transfigured, penetrated completely by the light of the life of God. And this inaugurates the final scene of the movie. Matter, bios are completely made one with soy. So this actor, Jesus, enters the movie and begins to write the story, but inserts in the middle of the book or in the middle of the story glory and eternity. And this presence of the risen Christ, who lives forever, who has eternal life, now begins to reshape reality. All before him changes, and all after him changes him. The sister candle that stands in our midst reminds us of the presence of Christ, alive, forever, in the middle of history, changing life. And if this is not good enough for you still, the final aspect of God's story, the greatest story ever told, is that you are called to be part of this story. God wants to join your personal story with his story. The big story of God, the story of salvation, resembles in a a way your own story. The story of the Bible, if you want, is like a mirror that you can look upon and see your life. God created you out of love. He promised to come to you He will enter to you and he will bring fulfillment and glory. Now in expectation and one day completely. This is what Paul says today in the letter to the Romans. We were indeed buried with him through baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might live in newness of life. We were indeed buried through baptism, as all these men and women are going to be baptized in some minutes. We have been baptized into his death. But also, as he has been raised, and he has been glorified, as Zoe entered his soul completely, you might join in that life. You may be synchronized with his resurrection. All that is in him needs to be downloaded to you, and all that is in you needs to be uploaded to him. Your life does not make sense without the context of this bigger story that is God's amazing story. God loves us so much. He wants to enter our own story. He wants us to realize that bios is not enough. Physical life is not enough. He wants to give us more. His life in us. And this is not a dream. This is the real thing.